we come today to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke's account. This sermon, Jesus gave, gave us a stark contrast between the world and his followers. He has pointed to numerous differences between the true believer and the lost person. These two types of people are on two totally different paths. One that leads to eternal life and the other that leads to eternal judgment. We've seen that the true disciples of Jesus must have an eternal perspective. Remember in verse 23 of chapter 6 it talks about your reward is great in heaven for the true believer. The true disciple of Jesus will be characterized by hunger for righteousness, weeping over sin and persecution even. They are dependent people who are always in need of the Lord as verses 21 and 22 stated. The self-righteous ones, the lost world, are characterized by riches, not necessarily with money, but with an independent attitude, self-sufficient, uh, self-righteousness. They are independent people who don't need the Lord. There's a dramatic contrast being established all the way through the sermon. The true disciples of Jesus are required to love their enemies, avoid placing themselves over other people. That is, do not judge, remember? Forgiving and giving graciously, abundantly. Unlike the lost who are considered and characterized as spiritually blind and leading the others to a demise. They are people who do not see their own sin, but they correct everyone else. They remember our picture, the log in the eye. They don't recognize they have the log, but they're out there picking everybody else's sin out. So the contrast is dramatic between the self-righteous and the humble, dependent followers of Christ. Again, we saw two ways to live revealed in the Sermon on the Mount. The true born-again believers are humble, needy, dependent followers. Again, that's not what the world tells you is a... A successful person. A successful person is somebody that is proud and independent and doesn't need anybody. But Jesus says the opposite. They treat people as they want others to treat them. And they love their enemies, even the ones that hurt them, they lay their lives down for. And they're always ready to lay down their lives for other people. Again, this is a stark contrast between the world and the believer. The lost, however, are the proud and the self-sufficient. They bless others if it benefits them. And they only love those that love them. And they're real good at seeing other sins but ignoring their own. Again, today, Jesus gives us two illustrations or word pictures of the two types of people, the true disciples and the lost. They are compared to two different things. First, 
two different types of trees in verses 43 to 45, and then two different types of builders in verses 46 to 49. Now, both of those things, at first glance, you might say, how do they apply? Well, what Jesus is doing is using word pictures to make the whole sermon come to life. It's like using illustrations. By the way, if you ask me whether you should have illustrations in sermons, uh, well, Jesus did it, so I guess we all should do it. Illustrations bring out the concepts he's trying to get across. It's not just theological dump. We're trying to give you illustrations, too, so you understand better. Jesus did it. He often compared spiritual truth with the material world. We do the same thing in our world all the time. We did it in our hymns today. For example, in verse 2 of Jesus paid it all, we had God's power can melt the heart of stone. Now, any of you have a stony heart? <laughs> Trick question. A stony heart. That's a, a heart that's cold to God, that doesn't love God. It doesn't literally mean melt the stone in our heart. We don't have little stones inside of us. It's supposed to bring out the meaning that God's power is the one that can change your heart. It's not me that can change my heart. It's God that can change my heart. It's his power. And then we had the other one. I will wash my garments white. With the blood of lamb. Now, if you took that literally, what would we be thinking? How do you make a garment white with red blood? You don't. Unless you understand that these are brought out to make the point that we have sin. And Jesus' death paid for our sin. And by trusting in him, we are declared right by him and by his death. That's the point of the song. Jesus is doing the same thing in this sermon. He's illustrating to help the listeners understand the concepts that he's been talking about. Jesus has been showing this great contrast between the world and the believer. Now, unfortunately, many of us probably in church and Christians per se should probably be reading this sermon a whole bunch more. Because the stark contrast in our world, especially in our culture, is not there, is it? I mean, if you look around, people that go to church, it, isn't it amazing you talk to a friend and you find out that you, you're in class with them and you realize, I had no idea you were a Christian. There's absolutely no difference. You talk just like everybody else talks. The main priorities are the same priorities as the world. There's no distinction. Jesus says that's not true Christianity. True Christianity, there's a difference between believers and unbelievers. If you look like the world, then you're not a believer. And you need to repent and trust in Christ. If there's no difference between you and the world, then you should be afraid. Let's look at the passage. He illustrates this very well. Chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. He says, because, for, there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. 
for each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not know what I say? Or do what I say, rather. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Father, again, we hear your words from your Son. It is your word. We pray, Lord, that we will take seriously these words, that we will examine our own selves to see if we are of the faith. Lord, we know that nothing we do that is good comes from ourselves, that it's only because of your grace. And so, Father, we pray that you will help us to understand this passage, to be able to discern what you would want us to be, and help us, Lord, to trust in your Son alone for our salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to start with the two trees. So now we're going to look at Jesus' two illustration of the two types of people who live in the world, the humble followers of God and the self-righteous lost. We will see that Jesus compares the disciples to the lost in two types of trees and then to two types of builders. First, the two trees. There are four characters or four elements of this first illustration of the two trees. We're going to look through these illustrations. He starts with the material world and then compares it to a spiritual truth. First, we'll look at the trees, the characters. They're found in verse 43. The two types of trees and their produce. Verse 43 says, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit. Nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. Put real simple, there's two types of trees in the material world. There are good trees that produce good fruit or, and, and bad trees that produce bad fruit. It doesn't go the other way around. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. Notice in verse 44 though. It's very important. The identity is found in what they produce. Who they are shows what they are. Write that down. Get it. Who they are, what they produce, shows what they are. What they produce shows what they are. Who they are as people. The trees are identified by what they produce. 
In verse 44, at the beginning, he says, Because each tree is known by its own fruit. What a tree produces reveals what type of tree it is. We know the tree by what it produces. It's interesting in this little phrase, for each tree is known. You see that word known? It's the idea of experientially understanding what that tree really is. What they produce, you really get it. You know what's about, what they're about. He's using the material world to say, show this. Okay, so best illustrated here. Pictures we know. Okay, you ready? Tell me, what kind of tree is that? Orange tree. You got it. So the produce told you exactly what kind of tree it was. Do you understand? Was it debatable? As soon as you saw the orange, you went, orange tree, right? If I picked up an acorn, you would immediately say, oak tree, right? Grapefruit, grapefruit tree. The fruit that it produces automatically shows what it is. It's not up for a debate. We're not going to argue. No, this is an oak tree. Yeah, it produces oranges, but no, it's an oak tree. No, it's obvious. The identity is who it is. It's the same way with what you produce. What you do, how you act, whether you love your enemies, whether you love your wife like Christ loved the church, whether you raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, all of those things show whether you're a believer or not. They demonstrate what your heart's about. Jesus is saying, you are known by what you do. We produce What we produce shows what type of person we are. So, two real examples. He gives them in verse 44. He says, For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from briar bushes. Again, <laughs> this is a thorn tree in Israel. You don't get figs from thorn trees. Those are some major thorns, aren't they? Okay, what do you get from thorn trees? Holes in your hand. <laughs> Nothing profitable. But what do you get from a fig tree? Figs. Dramatically different, right? They would have known it. It would have clicked. Thorns, fig tree. Oh, yeah, you don't get figs from thorn trees. Got it. Understand, Jesus. Believer. Believers love their enemies. <laughs> Believers are dependent on God. Believers are humble. They produce fruit. That's his point. Or briar bushes. Briar bushes, this is from Israel. You don't pick grapes from them. See the difference? Start different. It's obvious. Is there any debate? Do you get grapes here? No. You get grapes from there. What is Jesus saying? Stark contrast. Dramatic contrast. 
Can you see a dramatic contrast between your life and the world? This should be a very con convicting message. <laughs> Are you different? Are you the same? Do people notice you're different? Very, very important. Then he goes to the comparison. The comparison to two types of people. In verse 45 he says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. Again, we see here very clearly, a good person does good. Now, how many of you are a good person? Trick question. Yes, no, what about Romans chapter 3? None do good. <laughs> but that's before regeneration. That's before being born again. That's before God working in our hearts. So by the grace of God, we are, if we are a born-again believer, we are a good person. That's what that means. But by the grace of God, by God working in our heart, not by what we do on our own, but by God's grace. And therefore, we produce and do good. The bad person, the evil person, however, has no regenerated heart. They have not turned to Christ. They do not really know him, and so they do evil. The problem is, is that the evil person doesn't even realize that he's doing evil. The evil person actually thinks he's doing good. The Pharisees thought they were good people. But because they were self-righteous, not dependent on Christ, they were actually evil people doing evil. He explains in this passage very clearly why people do what they do. Why do we act like we act? Is it something that we should boast in? No, it has to do with what's, what we treasure in our hearts. It's what's there. It's what God has put in our lives, changed our hearts, and what we value. For example, do you value the cross of Christ. If that is important to you and is death for you, that treasure will be in your heart and you will then do what? Speak about it. You will speak reflecting on it. On what he's done for you, it will be the driving motivation in your life. If whatever's in your heart is what determines what you do, if you are thinking about Christ and meditating on his word, that will then produce itself in Christ-like living. That's his point. What you treasure, what you value, will be shown. If you value the things of the world, guess what? You will speak about the things of the world. Now think about that for a second. What is the most valuable things in your life? What do you treasure most in your heart? Those are the things that you will talk about. Those will be the things that you do all the time. So it's very important. As a believer, we have different treasures. Things that we 
are meditating on and the things that are of value. From the heart, notice it says, from the heart. It brings forth what is good. It brings forth from the heart. And he says, for his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. What is it that's in your heart? What is it that controls your thinking? Remember, the heart and the mind are closely related in the Bible. What you're thinking on and what you're meditating on, that's what you speak about. Do you understand? If you're meditating on Scripture, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If you're meditating on Christ and His glory, then He's going to be what you speak about. If you're meditating on evil things, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus is calling the believer to evaluate what they meditate on, but the unbeliever, he's calling them to say, wait a second, I don't think I'm what's right. I need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Then he moves to his second illustration, the two builders. That's found in verses 46 to 49. Again, Jesus compares the spiritual truth with the material world. He starts with this time with the spiritual truth and then compares it with the material world. Last time he started with the material world and moved to the spiritual truth. This time he's reversing it. In verse 46, he starts with the spiritual truth. There's two types of people, he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them. Those are the two types of people right there. Very clear. You can see them. Do you see them? Verse 46 is one type. Verse 47 is the other type of person. You get it? It's, it's so simple. It's almost like he gets very clear here. So there's no debate. The two types of people can be summarized with the ones who are all talk but no do. They're the ones that are all about, oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is my friend. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, yeah. Yep, all about Lord. Oh, the Lord did this for me. And the Lord, oh, yeah, Lord. It's the one that's all about the talk, but there's no action involved. It's the one that says it, but there's no real sacrifice. Boy, doesn't this characterize a lot of the American church? People that say it, they can sing wonderful music, great music, singing all about the Lord, but their lives don't match their message. They're not sacrificial. They don't lay down their lives for other people. They're happy and joyful as long as everything's going easy in their life. But when things get tough, boom, I'm out of here. Lord, Lord, just saying it means nothing for not doing it. The second type of person is the one who comes to Jesus and listens to him and obeys. They're the doers, not just the hearers. Again. This is not me trying to get you to reform your life. 
Your hope is not found in yourself. You must fall before the Savior and confess your sins and ask Him to help you and then get up and follow Him by the grace of God. He is the one that does this. We know this because in John chapter 6, Jesus said, No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. So no one comes to Him unless God is working. So it's not this self-reformation project. I'm not trying to send you out of this place saying, okay, change yourself. I'm saying this, run to Christ, bow before him, confess your sins, and ask him to change you, and then get up and follow him, trusting in him to work in you. Jesus is saying there's two types of people, those that say it and don't do it, and those who say it and do it. And listen. I will show you whom he is like, is what Jesus says. The material comparison. There's two types of builders. He compares them. First, he is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on a ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. There's two types of builders here. First, the wise builder and the foolish builder. This is real clear, isn't it? Believer is compared to the wise builder. Unbeliever is compared to the foolish builder. It's not hard. Everybody got it? Very clear, isn't it? Wise builder, foolish builder. Believer, unbeliever. Got it? All right, let's look. Here's the wise builder. Now, some of you might argue that this isn't very wise. But it's actually wise. (laughs) Do you see this? This house especially right here was built a long, long time ago. I think over 80 years ago. This house on the right. Built on a rock. It withstood a horrible hurricane. No problem. Why? Because it had a great foundation. A rock. Okay? The foundation made it sturdy. Whereas the foolish builders (laughs) built on sand and mud. And when the mud slides came through, the mud eroded away and the house did what? Crashed. This is foolishness. Right? It's not complicated. Anybody debating? Anybody got it? Anybody? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I got this. It's like... He's like trying to make this so clear, right? There's no debate. Clear, right? Some would say clear as mud. No, it's clear. It's very clear. So what's the wise disciple like? Look back at verse 47. He's clearly described. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. 
The one who is coming to Jesus is the wise builder, the wise, true Christian. Coming to Jesus. Now, this is present tense, which implies that it's an ongoing seeking, persistently coming to Christ. It's not just one time to come forward in an aisle and pray a prayer and get your little card signed. It's not one coming. It's an ongoing, persistent coming to Christ. I need you daily, all the time. It's the one that comes to him all the time. Second, he's the one who is hearing his word. I think there's a contrast here. I think there's a contrast with verse 36, intentional. It's not just the one that says, Lord, Lord. It's the one that hears. Ooh, very important. Are we all about giving our opinion? If we are, then we need to stop, step back a second and say, wait a second. The one that's quick to speak is often the one that's not, is slow to do what? The one who is quick to speak is slow to hear. Right? Jesus' disciples are described as those who are continuously hearing God's word. Hearing the word. Now, in Jesus' day, Jesus was literally talking to them. Right? How does that apply to us? Does Jesus speak to you? Trick question. No. Yes. No and yes. Yes. Through this thing here. The Bible. He speaks to you through the word of God. He works to you. He talks to you through this word. And as Ronaldo and I and Mark and Ryan and all of us proclaim the word, God is speaking to you as long as we stay with this. When we're not staying with this, then that's not God speaking to you. That's Mike. As long as I'm telling you what this means and what this says, the Lord is speaking to you. You should be wanting to hear it. You should be craving to hear it. Why do we want to go to church? So we can hear the word. No, I thought we went to church, some would say, because it's got great music. No. You go to church to hear the word of God. You want to hear from Jesus. That's the main point. I'm not perfect, but that should be your priority. <laughs> That's what a wise Christian looks like. A wise builder. The rock is who? Christ and his word. Trusting in him and him alone. Do you come to him daily? By the way, it's not just Sunday morning. It's not Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. It's every single day. How much is the word a part of your life? How much are you reading it? How much are you thinking on it? How much are you meditating on it? If you're not doing this, you're not coming to the Savior. You're saying, my life is fine, I'm independent, I don't need God, but on Sunday. That's a problem. 
not a heart that loves God's word. We need the word all the time. Jesus says the believer does this. He is hearing the words, and then he's acting on his words. This is present tense again. He does it intentionally, doing it, not just hearing it, but doing it. Making disciples. What disciples are you making? Who are you telling about Christ? Who are you encouraging in the faith? Who are you praying for? This is what becoming a believer is all about. It's laying your life down for other people. That's what the Sermon on the Mount has been about, hasn't it? It's all about that. Making disciples. Laying your life down for other people. Those that are true, wise disciples are doing this. They're loving one another. Is there any debate? This is pretty simple, isn't it? It's almost too simple. So how have you done? We've been preaching through and going through the Sermon on the Mount for the last month and a half. So let me ask you, as we read back through the Sermon on the Mount to finish, I want you to ask yourself a question. Which one did you look like? The one who heard the words and acted on them? Or the one that just heard it and went about your life doing whatever you wanted to do? Look back, the sermon, the beginning, verse 20. And turning his gaze towards his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil. For the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad when somebody treats you like that in that day. And leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way the fathers used to treat the prophets. But, foolish builder, woe to you who are rich. For you are receiving your Comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. You see the contrast? Wise builder, foolish builder, which one characterizes you but I say to you Jesus says who here love your enemies How have you been doing do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you 
pray for those who mistreat you. How many prayers for unbelievers have we done lately? Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other one also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that? For even the foolish builders love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. You will be a wise builder. A good producing fruit tree. For he himself is kind to ungrateful men. That's what God's all about. And if we're his sons, we'll be like him. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge. How you been doing? Since we preached on that and we talked about this, have you put yourself above other people? Have you looked down on others and judged everybody else? Do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, graciously give, 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 and it will be given to you. And they will pour into your lap a good measure, passed, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Are you getting this? Very clear. There is a stark contrast between the world and the believer. Stark contrast. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man, spiritually blind man, can't guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. This applies both sides, doesn't it? The believer that is following Jesus and learning from him will become like who? Him. But the one that wants to do it on their own, be self-righteous and follow the Pharisee's model, will become like the Pharisee. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye. When you yourself do not see the log hanging out of your own eye. You hypocrite, foolish builder, bad tree. 
Same thing. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Ladies and gentlemen, how have you done? Are we different? Or are we just like the world? Are we characterized by sin, selfishness, self-righteousness? Or are we characterized by humility, dependence upon the Lord, and goodness and kindness to others? At this moment, probably everybody that's a believer in this place is saying in their heart, I haven't been very good. I haven't produced as much fruit as I would really like to produce. I have seen some fruit by God's grace. I've done some things, Lord. You know me. But boy, do I have a long ways to go. There's hope for you. It's in Christ. He is in the process of pruning and taking away garbage in your life. He's trying to get you to look to him and focus on him and find your joy and delight in him. It's amazing how all these little figures and, and material things that he uses, they all kind of run together. As we abide in him, as we trust in him, we will then produce fruit. As we're focused on him, as we're enjoying his word, as we're seeking him and coming to him, then we will produce fruit. But maybe there's someone in here, I, if it's a crowd this size, obviously there's someone in here. That's a bad tree. <laughs> you haven't truly repented and trusted in Christ. I don't know your heart. You know it. Is your life characterized by fruit? Do you demonstrate the glory of God in the way that you treat other people? Or are you about yourself primarily, if not all the time? There's hope for you too. If you will turn from your sins and trust in Christ, he came to die for that sin. He came to die for mine and your sin. He was crushed for us. The wrath we deserve was placed on the Son. The Father judged the Son for my sin and your sin. Stop trusting in yourself, your good deeds, and trust in Christ alone. And he will begin to produce fruit in you as you know the glory of God more and more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace towards us. This sermon has been extremely convicting, God. We're reminded that though we long to obey you. 
And though the direction of our life is to obey you, we still fall short. We still fall into some of these old traps of hypocrisy. Oh God, we beg you, please change our hearts. Please continue to make us look like your son. Please rip away all the selfishness that's in us. And help us to lay down our lives for others. Our hope is in you. Where do we go? You're the one that has eternal life, as Peter said. You're the one that has the words that can help us. So we follow you. We turn to you. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you are not... If you're not sure if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if, you have, if you're not sure if you've repented and trusted in him, I am always available. Mark's available. Ryan's available. Stephen's available. Daniel's available. Josh is available. Half the con- most of the congregation is available. Omar, please come to us. We will tell you about Christ. He's your hope, not yourself.